Hello, everyone. Welcome to Raising Poets and Pirates, the podcast for Christian single mothers raising sons. Today, I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Emily, and uh, she's going to tell her story about becoming a single mother after widowhood. I met Emily through Facebook and a really fantastic group. And what attracted me to her to her is her personality. The fact that she lives in one of the best states in the world. <laughs> I love Montana. She's from Montana, my dream state. And just everything about her, how much she relies on the Lord, how much she loves the Lord. And I had invited her to share her story with us. So welcome, Emily. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Natalie. I'm, I'm thrilled to be asked. <laughs> I really honor. appreciate it because it's, it's not easy when the person you love passes away so suddenly. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine the pain you had gone through. And I think your story will encourage a lot of other single mothers by widowhood to be reminded how God is in control of everything and to hear your story as an encouragement and a reminder of God's goodness and and our hope in Christ. So before we begin, I usually, yeah, (laughs) amen is right. Before we begin, I have a few, like three icebreaker questions. I always ask this, this first question, what is your, apart from the Bible, what is your favorite book or movie? Oh, apart from the Bible. Because that's such oh, an that's easy answer. One. Everyone says Bible. I don't... <laughs> yes. <laughs> or if you're not a reader. That's like a saying movie. in church. Right. A movie. I'm, there are so many. I'm a classic movie lover. So anything that's old, I pretty much love. <laughs> like how far I don't back? know that I could pick. Oh, goodness. Um, probably late 40s, early 50s even. Um, are some of my favorite films. I can watch black and white and, and be totally fine with that. Um, <laughs> I love good mysteries. There's nothing, as my mother says, like a, a good murder. You know, <laughs> yeah. A clean murder. Hold up. What's, what's this about your mom? Do we have to investigate her? <laughs> <laughs> right? She'll be hearing this and she'll like that comment. <laughs> um, so anything like that, I love. Um, a favorite book. You know, probably, I don't know that I could pick one, but most of my favorite books are self-help um, DIY type things. Um, you know, how to run your household well. Um, gosh, I don't know that I can even pick a favorite. Oh, that that might take too long to sit here and think about it. <laughs> no, but I, I get um, you about the DIY because as I've gotten to know you, you're quite the, hey, let's figure it out kind of person. And so I, I get it that different DIY books. It's like, all right, got to figure this out. Let's see how we can do this. Right. I've had to be a couple of times, but more like homemade, like I used to read a lot of homemaking books, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, there's large family logistics that a bunch of us love. And we'd whip that out and be like, okay, what am I doing wrong? You know, I've got to have the kids doing this and this. And so, (laughs) right. Those were mostly what I would read. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. So you don't have a particular movie that you can name, like, I don't know, um, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, Wizard of Oz. I mean, that's around that era, no? Oh, goodness. Yeah, I um, I love the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. That's a really, that's one I, I really like. I haven't watched it in a long time. Um, goodness, what are some of the, I'm probably more into old TV shows 
Okay. Um, I've watched all of the Murder, She Wrote series. I've watched all of the uh, Heart to Heart, which was an old one from the 70s. Oh my goodness, Heart to so, Heart, I remember. Remember Stephanie that? Yeah. Right, oh, it's coming yes. back to me. Those are favorites. Um, Remington Steel. Remington you know, Steel. Um, yep. <laughs> yes, Those Pierce are my Brosnan. Yes. Oh my goodness. And before Bruce Willis was a superstar, what was that with he was with? Oh. Um oh goodness. Oh, oh moonlight. Moonlighting. Moonlighting. Yes, it was yes. moonlighting. You're right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh. That is awesome. Excellent. Question number two. If you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be? Oh, dishes. <laughs> doing the dishes I mean I have a lot of children there's always a joke that I have 46 kids you know (laughs) and 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 so that's always the joke my cousin came up she has 46 kids you know um so there's always someone to do the dishes but Mm -hmm. I often am like I should do the dishes too I'm the mom you know and so I yeah dishes aren't my favorite (laughs) do you have a dishwasher I do yes but you know you have to load it yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's funny I hear you and the last question is um let me think of something interesting okay would you choose teleportation or flying and why flying flying for sure yes I have always loved flying. I guess, you know, I grew up, my dad was in the Navy reserves and he was at one time studying to be a flight engineer. So Mm -hmm. I remember I got to sit in a cockpit with him once, you know, out on the tarmac on a military base, Mm -hmm. go over all the details of the plane and stuff. And that was pretty exciting. So I kind of grew up with that. And then, um, I have this dream that in heaven, we will actually, you know, get to like, just fly over things. That's sort of my little fantasy. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's wonderful. That's really great. So Emily, let us begin with a bit of your background. If you were raised in a Christian household, um, when you became saved, and we'll start, we'll start from there. Can you give us okay. a story about yeah, that? So I, you bet. I was raised in a Christian home, a, a very good Christian home. Um, my parents were saved. I think I was four when mom was saved, maybe five when dad was saved. They were saved about a year apart and um, had been Catholic prior to that. And so, um, yeah, I was, I was raised in, the, in a Christian home. I was an only child until I was about seven and a half. My brother was born and my sister about two and a half years later. And, um, and then I was homeschooled from third grade on. And back in the day when no one knew what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, interesting. that was cool. Yeah, that was that was wonderful. And so, yeah, I was raised in a, in a good home and a good church. And um, then I was, you know, I think I was probably saved in my early teens, maybe 13, 14, when I really started, you know, I remember praying and asking for the Lord to save me. Mm-hmm. And so that was more of an awareness, you know, of, of that need. Um, but I always, you know, had a desire for, for the things of the Lord and, and uh, what I was being raised in. And so, um, yeah. That's kind of the story there. That's very fascinating. If we can just touch on briefly about being uh, homeschooled in an era where if you, I'm sure at the time people thought, oh, you're homeschooled. Oh, 
weirdo, you know, <laughs> kind of what does that look like? Yep. Was your homeschooling faith-based or was it not just the academics and but you were in a Christian household? Like it's it's very fascinating. The material, because now homeschooling, it's there's so much material, so much support. It's yep. a great uh alternative to, for a lot of parents. But in your in in the time when you were growing up, what was that like? You know, it was really different because people would often, mom would, you know, say, you know, what's, what grade are you in? What school are you in? Well, we homeschool. Oh, what's that? And so often it would get asked like, what's wrong with her? Is there a reason why, you know? So yeah, it would kind of work where someone would say, oh, you're homeschooled. You know, what is that? You know, why, what wrong? You know, why, why would you choose to do that? What is that? And so mom would say, you know, or dad, you know, well, we just came to believe that the Lord, you know, calls us to raise our children and we really feel that it's our job. And so that's how we see that as, you know, uh, we're working that out practically that we want her home with us and we want to be the ones that, that teach her everything. And so then people would usually respect that. Um, it's still thinking it's weird. <laughs> But um, they understood. So it really did come from a faith, a ba- you know, a, reading the word and um, just that was their conviction. So they kind of passed that on. And all of us children have homeschooled our kids. So, um, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good heritage there. <laughs> for that sure. is, that's wonderful. And so now tell me how you met your husband. Ah, John, yes. Oh, yeah. How old were you? Times. Yeah. <laughs> So I was 20 and John was 19 when we first met and we had left um, a church about a a half an hour from our house and we'd been invited to visit another one half an hour the other direction. So we thought, well, it's a it was maybe a little further, more like 40 minutes. It's a little more of a drive. I don't know if we want to, but we'll go visit. And we ended up, you know, staying and that's where I met my husband. And the first time I saw him, he was sitting next to his sister and they were so close. They were sitting so close. I thought, well, there's no young people here. They're married, obviously. And that was it, you know, so, and then on out when meeting his sister, oh no, that's his sister. <laughs> and they're, they're not married just because they're sitting next to each other in church. And so, um, yeah, so I got to know him that way. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And so how did he woo you? How did he make the first step or what was that like? So he became an uncle for the first time a couple of weeks after meeting him. And it was on a Sunday. And so he, um, he had just started talking to me, you know, just friendly, friendly talk. And he called me. So he must've gotten my number, I guess, but he called me that night and he said, you know, um, Hey, I just became an uncle. I'd like to celebrate. I'd like to take you to a movie. Do you want to go? Well, my parents were pretty strict Sabbatarians at that time. Mm. And so I tried to explain, you know, um, it's Sunday. And so we don't really do those things on Sunday. My dad's a Sabbatarian. And he goes, is that like being a vegetarian? (laughs) (laughs) So it started there and I I felt bad, but you know, I said, no, I'm honoring my dad. And he said no. <laughs> so so um, John, because he had had prior experience with some, some strict rules he had not not enjoyed, he decided that um, maybe this isn't for me. And so it took two more years before he asked me on a date again. And in the meantime, I almost married someone else. 
So, um, but what was cool about that is we became really good friends in that time. Mm. And so we we could talk. Um, I tried to match him up with one of my girlfriends um, and that didn't work out, you know, and then, then we started dating and we were engaged three months later and married three after that. Wow. That's a whirlwind. Oh, that is, that's wonderful. That's funny. <laughs> Vegetarians. Yeah. That's nice. But I'm glad great. that you, you established a friendship. So then the whole um, dated and engagement, it wasn't necessary for it to be drawn out because you maintain right. a friendship. Yeah. Oh, that's yes, great. Absolutely. And what kind of wedding did you have? Was it a nice, was a large family wedding? Yeah. Was it? It was, um, it wasn't was huge. It? I mean, we had all of our friends there and it was about yeah. 150 people. Okay. And we got married in this little country church in this little teeny town here that I live in, Stevensville. And um, yeah, it's an old Methodist church. So it has mm-hmm. the big white columns and it's, it, it has the big bell on the top and the carillons and blue and white building and red bell. Mm. And so with a red door. So oh, our so pictures pretty. are in front of this red door. Oh yeah, really cool, really cool. And so um, the funny part is that there was a female pastor there, and we're like, yeah, you're not gonna marry us. Like we have our own pastor. <laughs> <laughs> we, we weren't rude about it, but we we're just like, can we bring our own pastor? And sure. And we're like, yeah. So it was it was kind of funny, but yeah, we got married there and then had the reception at another place and further south and yeah it was beautiful wonderful and it had blizzarded the night before it was the end of march and um, then it was bright and sunny 62 degrees the next day typical montana mm-hmm. weather so <laughs> oh that's yeah nice. good memories and then how many children did uh, the two of you have you and john have yeah so we had nine yeah one set of twins and then uh the rest single births so yes nine children well are they close in age was it they are <laughs> well the twins of course same yeah. time <laughs> yeah same time. yeah they're one minute apart mm-hmm. uh, but they will tell you who is older and who is younger that's that's <laughs> his established order let me tell you so my children's ages are let's see if I can rattle them off here mm-hmm. my oldest is 25 then 23 then 21 19 then I have a four and a half year gap and I have a younger set and then it comes my girls who are almost 15 mm-hmm. And then my son, Isaac, let's see, how old is he? He's going to be 13 this September. Yep. So then we have 10 years old and nine years old. So my first two are 20 months apart and my last two are 20 months apart. And no, I didn't plan it that way. (laughs) (laughs) And as you said, you maintain homeschooling your children. So you, you you were a stay at home mom and John uh, went out to work. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. We were, you know, just very into traditional roles, although, um, he, uh, we, we did start a, our own construction company and I helped him absolutely in getting that going. Um, and so like I did admi- a lot of the, the sorry, big... sorry to interrupt the administrative no, work, that good. kind of thing. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was very small, so, you know, it was, it was pretty easy to do, but he was not, um, very computer illiterate. He hated all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he would bring me the numbers here. I need you to type this up and get this out. Or I would do the emailing and the, and, and I learned a lot about doing bids and, you know, um, breaking down, you know, looking at plans and that sort of thing. So I, I learned a lot from him and I was able to help him a lot. And so we worked well together. No, that's great. So then talk to me about when John got sick, as you said, how, how long into the marriage were you two uh, together when things started to turn? So 
um, we had been married 18 years and he, his father had been diagnosed with multiple myeloma about a year and a half before he got sick. What is and that? he was in the middle of, so it's cancer of kind of the bone, you would say it really like runs in the bloodstream. So it goes throughout and your bones, when you take an x-ray, it kind of looks like shattered bone, mm. um, lots of hairline fractures everywhere. So there's lots of pain. So he had been having some issues like I don't know, maybe a year and a half before he was even diagnosed. And because of his persistence, he finally got diagnosed. And um, we were just heartbroken over that. You know, we, we were all very close to both sides of our family. And so um, we were also very into alternative therapies. So we started researching for him and, you know, trying to help. And so John was actually helping take care of his dad, framing houses 16 hours a day. And I had just had our ninth baby and lost a disc in my back. And he started having all these weird digest, digestive system problems, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it was about yeah, four or five months into that, that um, we sought out medical care. And there was just a lot involved in that. We had a doctor and a bunch of stuff happened with him. And so, so by the time he got not diagnosed, um, I think it was September of 2015, that he was diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer called GIST which stands for gastrointestinal stromal tumors that had only been known about for about 10 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how that happened. And as at that time, was your father-in-law still uh, living and dealing with his cancer when you found out about your husband's cancer? How, how did the family manage? How did you manage the kids and everything? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so father-in-law Bob he was he actually lived longer than John did um and so yes he was still alive and we we were just everyone was just then doubly shocked you know because John Mm -hmm. was really healthy um very into health very physically fit it didn't fit it didn't match didn't make sense to any of us at the time um and so we were again in just more shock but we were very very determined because we were into health hey we have prepared for this kind of thing. You know, we, we know we had just found a doctor for my father-in-law in another state who did all these wonderful world renowned cancer therapies. And so we knew, okay, you know, this is the route we're going to take. Um, and so from there, you know, we, we just, boy, it was, it was really difficult because I was in bed for three months from this, um, a disc that had burst is so, you know, I, I lost the disc completely. So I was in bed for three months. Then I had surgery. Then I was recovering for about three months. I literally like almost the day I got out of bed, John got in bed dealing with the cancer. Mm. So it was this whirlwind of just, we had just had to short sale a home. Um, we were renting, never really rented in our lives <laughs> before. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot going on and yet we were a strong family. So a lot of our old, Older kids kicked in gear. I mean, they kind of didn't have parents for about a year. I mean, were mm-hmm. we there? Yes, in the house. But I was, I was with John twenty four seven. Unless I was, you know, running an errand, going shopping, or something. Um, he wanted me to care for him. You know, I mean, it was pretty pretty natural for a spouse. And so um, our children learned to do a lot of things themselves, mm-hmm. um, and and really function. Um, obviously, we suffered. You know, we we had a really really difficult time. But we had a a strong support system in our church and with family, you know. And so, I mean, I think our, I think we had 
four months of meals before he died and three after or three and four, however that worked. But um, they would come and clean my house once a month, you know, do the yard care, clean the windows, scrub toilets. You know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> So it was more, you know, there's a lot of emotional distress in that, that you just have to walk through. And so we had you know, godly people that would come and pray, they would sing, they would read the Bible to John, or they would let me go, Emily, go, go to the store, do what you need to do for a while, I'll sit with him. Um, and there were ups and downs, we really thought that he would be fine. Uh, even his medical oncologist at one point said, you know, I think you're going to be fine. And it was like, oh, wow, okay, this is working, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, so you just, when you're walking through stressful times, like, that you don't necessarily, at least in my mind, recognize it for what it is in the moment. You know, you're kind of doing foot in front of the other. This is all we can mm-hmm. handle for this hour. And so you don't, you're so tired, you know, that you're not really projecting what may happen ahead. So for me, I really thought he would live. I, I mean, I had him doing 12 protocols a day at one point, which was mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he had wanted me to be in charge of his health. And so, um, you know, he was pretty sick you know, and so there was just, it, that was just the daily routine. We were going to either, you know, die trying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we tried our best, right? And so that was, that was the goal. So mm-hmm. we stayed very positive. I didn't allow people coming to him with the sort of doomsday, you know, you may die kind of thing. It was all very, you know, I mean, he, he knew the Lord, so we knew where he was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we were very, we tried to stay very positive. That will to live is a very strong thing to have. So we kept that up right until the very end when he did pass away. Did you, um, did you and your husband, like the family, how was, how was your faith at that time? Was it shaken? And uh, I can understand like when people come to your household, you don't want the added heaviness in your home. Would you, and I'm not trying to be insensitive here when I'm asking, but I'm, I guess I'm thinking, putting myself in your situation, when you want to know, let's keep it positive. Was it that you didn't want to allow one inkling of, of this is, this may happen that you might just crumble? Like, was it a, sort of like a wall to protect yourself? Does it, I don't know if my question is clear. Yeah, no, I, I don't I know if you're trying to put, what you're saying. I like, I don't know if there's a point where you saw, okay. I think we know what directions this is heading, but I still want to keep it positive. Was it like to protect yourself in your heart? Did you allow yourself to be vulnerable or was it in private? I'm throwing out a lot of questions. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, this <laughs> is really good. interesting me to understand like what you were going through. Anything like that at yeah. all? If- yeah, no, I, I think I get what you're saying. There were definitely, um, I, d- I definitely didn't want to go there. You know, I didn't want to lose my husband. He had just turned 40. I was 41. Um, I, I definitely was scared of that, mm-hmm. but I really thought that we had this, you know, mm-hmm. um, because there were times he, he rallied and seemed like he was doing really well. Um, and so it was, it was more just surviving, I would say. And so when you mm-hmm. ask, like, was your faith rattled or shaken? Absolutely. Uh, sometimes a mm-hmm. hundred times a month, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you're like, cause we would go to the hospital almost two weeks out of every month for the five months he, he was diagnosed and, and gone five months later. Mm-hmm. So it was very short for him, but that was a long haul. I mean, I, I think there was one night I slept for three hours and he almost died in his sleep because his blood sugar got so low. And so I just didn't sleep. 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I would just, I would just watching him or, or um, up doing this or trying to rest and then up. And so, and, and same with him, you know, he wasn't comfortable. So there was a lot to uh, deal with, but definitely, um, you know, in prayer, I mean, you're just praying. It's a constant prayer, you know, Lord help with this, Lord help us get through this crisis. Okay. What's, what's happening here. Okay. We got mm-hmm. his blood work back. What does that mean? Okay. He reacted to this medication or, oh, you know, um, and so there was just, or we've need to increase this in, in his eating, or we had to do, uh, TPN at one point, you know, where they're, where you feed them through the bloodstream. So there was, um, multiple times in the hospital or at home where I'm just on floor praying, Lord, spare my husband, Lord, help me to know what to do, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, if it hadn't been for the Lord, I, I, my famous saying is, um, you know, it's no wonder why people are taking pills and jumping off of buildings because yeah. the thing is, is if you don't have him, you don't have anything yeah. <laughs> there, you know, once life is going to go or, or it may at any moment, something's in crisis like that. If you don't have that firm foundation, you're, you're lost. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember multiple times I would go in the hospital bathroom and I would lay on the floor. Gross. I, I know totally gross, horrible, but I was so desperate to just mm-hmm. get on my face before the Lord and beg and plead for anything that we, anybody needed that day. Right. <laughs> um, and so I would do that. And then the Lord would get us over the next hump. And I'd be like, whoo, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so by the time it came time that I knew he was not going to make it. And that was only 24 hours before he died. Hmm. Um, when a doctor finally, Mr. D. Meyer, you know, you're passing away. This is what's going on. And it was just, we need to face it. This is what's happening. And I appreciated him because he was very honest. He was very straightforward and he knew and he was right. And at that point, then you switch gears, right? And now you're saying goodbye and you're in that mode. So it was really just, and the Lord just brought me comfort in that Lord, either take him or miraculously heal him yeah, yeah, <laughs> like overnight. Yeah. We've got to be done with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you get to the point where you see someone suffer no more. It, it's not okay. <laughs> you're done with that, you know? Yeah. And so for their sake and the sake of the family, you realize that you're going to have to move on and the Lord walks you through that. And he gives you all that comfort that he didn't give you before. Cause you didn't need it then. Mm-hmm. So I would say his grace and his comfort is sufficient in the moment for what we need. You know, I don't get your grace. You don't get mine. It's unique to each of us in that moment. That's true. So for me, that was, that was what carried me through. Absolutely. And still does. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. No, that's true. And when you realize, as you said, 24 hours before, okay, this is it. How were you able to prepare your kids? Like, mm. Were any of them um, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Maybe, 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 maybe not. Because I'm sure for each child, it's it must have been hard. How were you able to do that? Yeah. So I would say um, maybe like six weeks before he died, a month before. Brain's a bit fuzzy on that. Um, he had had a night where it was hard to breathe. I mean, he was panicking. He felt like he could not breathe. I think he'd had some fluid in his lungs. He had major tumors, you know, and so, um, that would affect your lungs. So I ended up taking him to the emergency room and that hospital wasn't equipped and I had to drive him to another one about an hour away. So I came back home to get things and he's in the van and I walked in, you know, and my children are all, what's up with dad? You know, what's going on? 
And I remember falling on the floor and just losing it mm. before the trend. And that was sort of the beginning of them being prepared, you know, and, and it was, you know, I just, I can't do this anymore. You know, I don't know what the Lord is doing. And my older children really, they knew, you know, and I think they just came around me. And, and so they had a realization. I had a realization, this is more serious. Things are not going well. Um, and so they were watching that. Now I, I'd have to ask them what the thoughts were going through their heads at that time. I'm sure there were many, but they were very much helping the younger children to understand, mm. you know, being there for them when mom and dad couldn't. So John had prepared them prior when he was first diagnosed, you know, in tears, but telling them the worst thing for me, you guys, is for you to walk around and he's, he said it moping because you don't have a dad. Okay. Mm. That cannot happen. I want you to be strong. I want you to know that, you know, you, you, you have the Lord, so you have what you need. <clears throat> and so he was very strong in that. So those things all, I think, prepared all of us. Mm -hmm. um, the night that we were told he is actively dying, it was like probably 11 or 12 or one in the morning, somewhere in that time frame. And I called my good friends, the Browns who have known forever. Um, uh, Forrest and I had grown up together and four of us were really great friends as couples and our families. And they brought all my children to the hospital. <clears throat> so they were able to say goodbye to their dad. And my husband, you know, he was just, he was a very godly man, um, kind of uh, very laid back and yet no nonsense, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he took each of my children, gave them a charge, told them, you're not here for yourself. You are mm -hmm. here to serve God and bring him glory. He said, he, he told that to each of my parents, to his parents, to his sister, you know, his brother. The, he did all of that. And then I remember his last words were, I'm tired. <laughs> and and yeah. he was just out of it from mm -hmm. on and comfortable. But um, so all of that really, I, I guess I would have to say my, my children, yes, definitely have a faith in the Lord. Um, all of my children, uh, all of them claim to be Christians and are baptized. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very blessed in that. We kind of baptized the first set together. At one point, my husband baptized them. And then the last five all wanted to be baptized in the last few years since he's been gone. And since he was gone, it was kind of hard for me to figure that out. So we just figured that out last summer. And my dad mm -hmm. actually baptized them with my pastor. And it was very, very special. So, yeah, I would say my children, you know, God, God is sovereign. I believe God is totally sovereign. You know, he uh, Romans 8, 28, 28 is so true, or he works all these things together mm -hmm. for our good and for his glory. And so, um, you know, I have to trust that those things he's brought my children through, mm -hmm. I mean, for me as well, but for them are for, for their, their good of their souls. And I think they have all rested in that as well. So it's, you know, we all have our ups and downs, certainly different yes. times yeah. and uh, times of doubt and trial, but that's, that's how it's, the Lord has brought us through. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So when your husband had passed away, tell me what you were going through, you know, after the funeral, I guess, or, or maybe the moment he gave his last breath. And did you have a lot of thoughts in your mind? Like I have nine kids. How old was the youngest at that time? Oh boy. Yes. Did I have a lot of thoughts? Yeah. My youngest was just under two. So okay. yeah, and my oldest was about to graduate from high school. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, what, what was happening? And yeah, talk to me about your feelings, your fears, mm -hmm. you know, managing yeah. a, a large household without your husband. Yes. 
So my biggest fear had been to lose my spouse. That had secretly always been my my biggest fear. And here I was facing that. Um, so yes, we, we had a funeral, wonderful funeral. There was 600 people that showed up. Um, I spoke. Um, I had multiple pastors speak. Um, wonderful graveside. It, it was very honoring. It was very good. Um, and there was tons of family coming and friends who came. My best friend came from California with her mom. I mean, it was just a really special time. Um, and honestly, there was a lot of relief. So as soon as he passed, I was actually, let me back up a little bit. The mm -hmm. night that he passed away, it ended up being me and his sister alone um, with that little baby niece who had just been born um, in the room with him. And that was very powerful. Um, there had been our whole church in and out of the hospital that day. There was probably 50 people in the room, in and out of the room that day to see him. And the nurses, it was quite a testimony. The nurses were like, wow, I haven't seen this much, you know, outpouring of love. This is amazing. Um, and it, it was, it was great. It was really powerful actually. And I had had a fear, you know, we all have a fear of death. That's, that's natural, total, totally normal. Um, I had never been with someone who had died. I didn't really know what to expect. And the nurse had kind of explained, you know, what that would be like. And I remember, <clears throat> pardon me, when he actually died and, you know, he's hooked up to a monitor. So, you know, it, his heart stops beating and you think, okay, this is it. And the nurse said, well, it'll, it'll take a little bit. And I thought, what are you talking about? He's not breathing. His heart's not me. <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you mean? <laughs> and he just said, don't no, just, just wait. And he left the room. And, you know, Jeannie and I are, we're crying. It's very emotional. We're holding his hands. And yet then it was about 10 minutes after that. I, I have, I, it was just a most powerful spiritual and emotional experience, as they say, um, when I just sensed we both knew he was gone. He was mm -hmm. not there. Nobody was home. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you had a such a, a powerful sense of God just taking him. I mean, you could so sense the presence of the spirit in the room. It was, it was just, you, you could feel it. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not um, into, I don't know how you would say it, out of the body experiences, nothing like that. Right, it was yeah. just very real. And in that moment, we both looked at each other, his sister and I, we stopped crying just in a split second. And we said, well, it's time to go. He's no longer here. And that was just amazing. It was such an amazing experience that I would do it again in a heartbeat. I mean, it was just powerful. And can you explain, sorry, to, if I can just interrupt, can yeah, you explain, because that's very interesting that you, your sister-in-law, you just like, okay, let's move forward. Like, and you call that an interesting yeah. experience. Is there a way for you? Can you can describe it to us? Because I find that extremely fascinating. It, it is, you know, people it's have like God gave you a, and... Yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah, God, absolutely. You just felt, physically felt the presence of the Lord. Mm. And I, that is in a very unique way. And you just instantly sensed his spirit leaving his body. That's the only way I know how to explain that. Meaning you knew he would, as the nurse, you know, I'm thinking in my head, the nurse said he's still here, but he's not breathing. His heart's not beating. <clears throat> and so I guess maybe it's that I'm God separates us from our bodies, you know, in that miraculous way. And so you just totally sense his spirit leaving the room. 
And I don't really know what, how else to explain it, but in the moment, there was so much peace and I don't know, a, a, a relaxation almost oh. of, Ooh, okay, that's done. Right. <laughs> it's completed, you uh-huh. know? And so, um, that was the sense we both got. Yeah. And then it was time to leave. It was like one thirty in the morning or something. I hadn't slept in <clears throat> was it maybe 36 hours, I think, whatever it was, it was a long time. And, um, we were both exhausted, you know, and so we, but we just packed up everything and just left because you just really, it just was so different than a few minutes prior when you knew he was there and then you knew he was not, and you knew that that was okay. Mm. And that was just powerful, just very, very powerful. Oh, I understand. Okay. No, thank you for the clarity. I get it. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. guess it was replaced with, as you said, with there was peace. Like yes. the minute you know oh. he was fully gone it's like the lord replaced it with peace and and especially since you know he's he's with the lord you know yeah <laughs> they're, they're, yes. that makes all the difference it makes yes. all the difference okay i understand uh that's really fascinating but you're right it's fascinating it was very fascinating to be there like i said i was a, it was an experience even being a christian for so long i was afraid of yeah. and i'm no longer afraid of that it was really really amazing I think it says something really about the beauty of Christ, the beauty of the Lord to have been able mm-hmm. to do that for you, like his yeah. love for us that, because when I think about it, and maybe you can agree with me, I wouldn't even know how to have that peace. It has to come from him <laughs> in such a, such a sad and, you know, a, a time as this, when you lose a loved one and for him to just wash it over you like that, like it's almost like a cloak yeah. and that you and your yes, sister-in-law. Almost, yeah. We're ready to like, okay, this has been completed. Not, not, I'm not trying to be cute. Like that whole, it is finished like this debt. Okay. And then yes, that, exactly. It is finished. Yeah. He's yes. won. He's got his reward. Like, mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> yeah. It's powerful. It, absolutely. Well, that's, that's a beautiful way of, of helping us understand. Wow. The Lord is amazing. I'm just, yeah, I'm just I'm taking this in. Sorry. <laughs> my face. I'm just like, wow. No, yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, thank you for yeah bringing light to understanding that. And so after that, what, I guess the question is, your, your children afterwards, when it really hits, you come home and it's just you and the kids, your, your husband is no longer there. How was it for just the daily tasks, even going into your room, your bedroom? What, mm. what was going on there? So it's funny you said that going into your bedroom. So here he had been sick. He had been on IVs at home. Mm. So he had made me this beautiful hanging, swinging log bed. John was a log, what you call a log dog, a log crafter for years. He built for some of the Bass Pro Shops across the country through another company. But he had made me this huge size hanging log bed and it was, it was swinging. It would actually swing. We got teased a lot. Nine <laughs> kids swinging bed, you know. Anyway, <laughs> it was kind of funny, but yeah. So this 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 bed, it's just beautiful and gorgeous. But he needed a hospital bed, so we took out the insides of the bed. So there's this big, huge log frame, and and then his hospital bed, and I had one next to him in there. And so when I came back from the hospital, I didn't even really want to go in there because there was like an ivy. We used to <laughs> we used to hang the ivy instead of a pole. We'd hang it from the hanging log above you know so it was all keeping with the 
theme of the room, right? And um, there was just medical stuff everywhere, you know, I mean, all over the place. And um, when I got back, um, there was a friend with us and I fell asleep in the recliner, like while we were talking. And well, first I told the children, I mean, they knew he was dying, you know, mm-hmm. they had been there and then they had left earlier. But um, so I told them, you know, that it was over and everyone was okay. I mean, they were just, we were done, right? It was time mm-hmm. to rest. And so people are crashed all over the house. You know, there's kids on sofas and we're trying to eat food and everything. And it was just, there was a lot of relief. And so I fell asleep in the chair. I woke up the next morning. I immediately go into my bedroom and it's like being hit with a wave of, I don't know what, but all I wanted was, I want my room back, get rid of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, Norco came and picked up the bed and the oxygen tank went and the, you know, all the things that were, um, had the bad memories attached to them. I just wanted gone. Mm -hmm. So we hauled all of that out within a you know, and, and kind of, so that was kind of like, okay, now we've got to prepare for the funeral. So we kind of just went into that mode. Um, and in the meantime, what was going on is since we had a construction company, John had been in the middle of a turnkey home. So from the ground up, mm-hmm. the house had only framed and he died. So two days after he died, I was on the job, boots on, on the job, as they say, um, overseeing this house for these clients. So I was in the middle of trying to deal with that and keep contractors going, subcontractors going, as well as, you know, funeral plans and stuff. And my family came around, my sister-in-law, my sister, my everybody came around to help with that. Um, My brother's wife did a bunch of planning for the funeral, Um, friends and family, you know, my sister did a bunch of stuff, flowers and food, you know, the whole bit. And so um, they were, that was huge, huge help to me. And so um, we arranged for that. And then it was kind of after everybody left, you know, things start setting into, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I didn't know if I was going to get social security benefits. There was no life insurance. We had just started talking about that stuff. We tried mm-hmm. to get a policy and they turned them down. So anyway, um, you know, it, it, I was, so I, I was thinking, do I keep the business? you know, this is kind of scary. What do, what do I do? I've got to work now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, you know, prayed about it. I thought about it. And so since I had been, you know, able to help John in the business, I kind of knew enough to get by <laughs> who to hire, who to talk to, what to do. So I continued with that. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to keep the business because it'll make me more money for less hours of work. Mm-hmm. So I became a general contractor. I got my own license. You know, I had to do that, um, get everything switched into my name. I bought a truck that said Lady Builder. So I was known as the Lady Builder around her <laughs> for a while. Nice niche. Yeah, she stands um, out. You stand out. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was really cool. And I was honored. Um, shoot, even the lumber yard company, you know, they knew me and they they would take care of me. I would go in there and I would be like, you know, help Dave or help whoever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do here. You know, how do I order trusses? You know, and they'd be, come here, you know, come, come talk to me because they knew John. And so mm-hmm. I was really benefiting from his good name and continuing on. And so um, I just did simple projects, just remodels a couple of a year. And I was able to, then, then, you know, we did get social security death benefits for the children. Um, I got nothing. I didn't know this, that if, if uh, your spouse dies when you're younger, 
you don't you don't get any of their benefits in the United States. So thankfully, my children do, and that you know goes into the household fund. But um, so that's how we then started to kind of proceed forward. I had my, I would have my children sleep with me. Honestly, we'd all pile in the king size bed for months. We did that. And then my daughter, and um, then I had to graduate her alone, which was mm-hmm. another emotional experience. I think everyone at the homeschool graduation, I had in tears, including myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, cause it was just a, um, a lot of emotions going on, but, but um, that was a powerful thing too. My daughter's saying, daddy's hands the country song and um everybody was just you know ah, balling their eyes out it's so crazy you know <laughs> but um graduated her my son graduated would have been like a year or so later but um yeah so we just sort of moved on and have done that since um one day at a time one month one year you know and just really learn to rely on the lord um, you, you know, I, I sort of see it as, okay, Lord, I've had, I've had to have faith in this and this and this, what, now I need more. You know? <laughs> Are you stretching my faith more? And he always is, you know? And so, um, yeah. And then, you know, five months after John passed away, my father-in-law passed away as well. So mm-hmm. that was another going through that, um, time. And he was, he was done. He was ready to be, you know, so now, now he had four, to look forward to being with the Lord and John. So mm-hmm. then, then I was like, kind of jealous, you know, and <laughs> mm-hmm. you're all leaving, you know? Um, so that was another, another grief to get through that was difficult. Um, so yeah. Um, is your mother-in-law yeah, still alive? Oh no. She it, it, is. It, it, yes. Okay. Yeah. Donna, Donna is very much doing well. She lives right down the road from me here. And uh, we now go to singles get togethers together. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hold that thought. We'll talk about it. Yeah. When we wrap this up like that, that, that's interesting. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. (laughs) What was it like to raise your kids now as a single mother? What were, and though my podcast is, is more geared towards single mothers who have sons, Mm -hmm. you can also include your daughters because your youngest child, I'm sorry, forgive me, boy or girl, your last child. A girl. A girl. Okay. Okay. So even like Isabella, who probably has no memories of her dad because she was two and a half, you said. And if she felt like not quite two. So just if she had resentment, like my dad was taken away or, or like, what was it like? I'm going to throw all these questions. You can decide how you answer (laughs) disciplining your sons because the father's not there, you know? Mm. Yeah. Share whatever stories you can in part with us yeah no for sure yeah um that was definitely difficult um so I have my oldest is is a is a daughter Sabrina and then I had three boys in a row um I'm trying to remember how old they were when he died I think Ruben was either 16 or 17 and then like 17 15 13 12 yeah it's right in there anyway so yeah I would say that was hard, really hard on everyone, but especially my older son, um, because he was the oldest son, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he felt a lot of sense of responsibility, things that he couldn't even at that age take care of, but wanted to. Um, and so he struggled. That, that's, that was a hard thing. Um, yeah, I would say discipline. Oh yeah. Difficult. Talk about my youngest one. She's my, she's vivacious. I'm telling you what, like she is, 
she's a tough cookie, you know, <laughs> she's got a lot of personality going on. Uh, when she was born, the midwife was like, wow, she's got a set of lungs, you know, <laughs> mm. <laughs> she's, but she's very organized, very together and very with it. Now she will say she remembers her dad, but I know that she probably can't. It's probably from stories we've, you know, told in pictures. Um, so she still from time to time, about once a year, she'll have a meltdown. I miss dad, mm -hmm. you know? And so we just get through that, you know, it's okay to miss him. Absolutely, honey. You know, um, my older ones obviously have a lot of memories, so they often share them, you know, with the other children. And so, um, we have great family times of, you know, <clears throat> just sitting around talking about dad and all the fun memories. Um, I would say just, so getting back to the discipline thing as, as the baby of the family, you know, she was my, my only child that would actually throw the full temper tantrum, like mm. scream on the floor till she passed out a wow. couple of times. The only one she would listen to was my oldest Ruben. And so I would hand her over to Ruben to discipline because, and he would get in her face like, Isabella, look at me. No, you know, and he would, mm -hmm. and she would stop. And it was like, whoa. So um, I, I utilized my older children as help. It, absolutely. Okay. Dad's not here. I'm going to need your help. Mom's working as well. We're trying to fit, you know, do school. And so we just kind of made it work. Um, I'm sure many things got missed that I probably didn't know about were going on, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that they had to learn to deal with um, and work together on. Um, discipline of older sons, you know, I think is difficult anyway as a mom yeah. because you know, they're breaking away, they're becoming men. And, you know, they don't necessarily want to listen to a woman, right? <laughs> oh, I <laughs> and, know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Got an 18 year right? old. Right. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest, right? And so there were headbutting times. You bet. Of course, there were times I was like, well, you can either do this or move out. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, there were, I, I, don't, I don't beat around the bush a whole lot. I'm very patient for a long time. And then if you push that button all the way in, you will find out what yeah. mom's made of. You know? <laughs> and so um, there were time, there were lots of times of tears or yelling or arguing, you know, that went on. But we always, always made up afterwards, I would say. Nine times out of ten, at least, mm -hmm. you know, we all were good. There were hugs. There were, hey, I'm sorry. Or just be real with my children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were times when I would be like, hey, I'm not handling this well. You know, I need you to step it up you know, I need you to, I need you to do this for me. I need, you know, and I tried very hard to kind of gauge where my, where my children were at, um, emotionally. So Emily, can you tell me how the death of your husband affected, uh, each of your children you know, losing their father and what has that done for them in terms of their, their journey in life, maybe their, their relationship with the Lord, if they have, or if it's weakened, even the di the family dynamic. Mm, yeah. And that, that is a really good deep question. Cause boy, I have struggled to try to figure out, you know, what's best to do for my children. Um, I remember originally thinking, okay, maybe we all need to go to therapy or have counseling. And they were like, no, you know, um, right. <laughs> we're good, mom. We're good. You know, we had dad there. I'll try to be really strong. You know, um, I think that it's been interesting to watch each of my children 
and probably them me to see the the similarities and the differences, you know, in how we've all handled things. Or you know, everybody's so unique that grief looks so different. I mean, some things are basic, but you, you never get over grieving. You know, you never get. It's not like people think, oh, they're done grieving. Like, mm, no, I can yeah. tell you, seven and a half years later, it still isn't over. You know, and it mm-hmm. won't be because the only way that would be is if you didn't love that person anymore. <clears throat> Pardon me. If you did not care anymore, then you would mm-hmm. stop grieving. Otherwise, you don't. And so you learn to live with that. You learn to deal with that. And, and it gets much easier, you know, as time goes on. And so um, we often, like, like I said, I'm trying to kind of recognize, okay, you know, this son or this daughter is in this kind of mode right now, or or maybe I'm getting like an attitude of pushback or something when I say, hey, can you take out the trash, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is your job. And um and so then I would kind of know with sons, it seems like it tends to present itself often as, no, I don't, I don't want to do anything. You know, I, I'm going to go off by myself and, and do whatever. Um, so my oldest son is a little more reserved, a little more private. And so um, I think it's been hard to understand where he's at in that process of grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has definitely had times of drawing away more from the family and kind of doing his own thing. And he's like that, you know, anyway, like in his personality, he's going to do his own thing. He knows what he's doing. He's very determined. I think he's got his house paid for already at, you hmm. know, 23 years old. It's got a, he's married and has a, has a little boy named Dominic. So, um, but yeah, he, um, he, like I said, has probably struggled um, in ways of feeling that older son weight mm-hmm. and how that looks not having a dad, you know, um, and yet having the most time with dad. And so um, from there, now he's out of the house. Now my next son, Nick, who is 21, um, he very much feels that sense, taking care of mom. You know, he's he's wanting to go um, move to Florida this fall, and he's worried about me leaving me, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, you knew this was coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I told him, I, I don't want you to feel guilty. You know, I don't mm-hmm. ever want my children to feel guilty or like that because of I'm widowed or even, even if I wasn't, you know, I don't ever want them to put that parent guilt trip on there. And so he's like, no, I don't feel that. I just feel what would have, what, you know, what's going to happen to mom, what, you know? And so I very much appreciate that. And then my next oldest son, Sam, he's 19. He's uh, just branching out and doing his own thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and and having a full-time job and all those things. And so um, he is my one that you will find him sometimes at the gravesite crying and he'll come Mm -hmm. tell me, mom, I miss dad. I just needed to go, you know, and that's what he'll do. And yet he'll come and they, they all, you know, they talk to me. They tell me these things. We keep communication very open. So I'd have to say um, one of the biggest things that has both been hard for me and good is I have allowed my boys maybe to do some things other moms might be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, such as they've bought sports cars. They've done, uh, you know, I've, I've let them go to car meets. I've let them do all these things that some moms are like, Oh no, who's going to be there. And, you know, and I, once they get to an age, you know, where they need to, they need to start experiencing on their own and learn. I'm more apt to let them do that and find out, Oh, maybe that wasn't such a good idea after right. all. <laughs> so that they learn that early and they're not married in learning that. <laughs> right? right. So, um, 
I've, I've done some of that and done probably more of that and really tried to go out of my way to give them some freedom um, and not be the fearful mom. Because as moms, you know, when you have the dad around, you can go, okay, honey, I know I'm responding fearfully in this. What is your take? Mm -hmm. Am I being too, you know, you can tell dad, uh, no way do I want them doing that. What are you thinking? You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> they can go, well, they're boys. They need to, you know. And so um, there are times where I have to just, where I have to warn. I will say, I don't like that you're doing this or I don't approve of this. I'm talking about older sons, you yes, know, yeah. 18 and up. I'll say, hey, I don't like this thing you're doing or I don't approve of this. And they know, okay, there's rules in my house that no matter whether you're 39, 82 or whatever, you're going to abide by. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those are non-negotiables. But everything in between, I'm like, well, hey, I'm not sure that's a good decision, but it's your decision. I know, mom. I know, you know, and so I would rather than come back and say, you know, mom, you were right. right. <laughs> that was not so smart than me always, you know, being the mother hen on top of them. I did no. So that's the kind of mom I've tried to be with my sons specifically, you know, daughters, I'm a lot more protective of mm -hmm. like, you know, touch her and you die. Kind of yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're in Montana. We have guns and they are loaded, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So your older boys, I guess, sort of uh, stepped up to the plate because they realized the 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 father figure that has their dad had passed away, and mm -hmm. they they were putting almost into this role to be prepared to be, I guess, a father mm -hmm. figure, if you will. Like you said, one of them was able to discipline your youngest, and yes. did they sometimes cross the line? And you had to say, hold up now. You're still my son. You're not my hubby. <laughs> you, know, you don't need to talk to me in that tone. <laughs> yeah. Know. Oh yeah. Don't you act yeah, that kind of or in and and I guess as you were saying, sometimes you're like, okay, there it's time to I maybe if your husband had been around, you wouldn't how do I describe it? I guess for them to start to grow and take these risks and be out there would have been probably a bit later, or was it always in the way you and John raised your sons? And it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to not try to cling on to them because of what has happened, but continue on that direction. My husband and I were doing in raising our sons. I don't even know what I just asked you. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I think so much in my head and then let it fall out. Do you know what my no, question was? No, I think I know. I, I, I do. I do. Yeah. I do. I understand exactly what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, though that that's there is very much in me a desire to continue on. Okay, this was our goal. Like I still am here. We're all still here. The goal still exists. This is still the way the family goes. I've actually told my sons, you know that that would not fly with your dad. Mm -hmm. I will tell them that to this day yeah. <laughs> and they'll be like, I know. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, that's, that's true. You know? Okay. Yeah, mom, you know? <laughs> and so I will say, and in the same breath, I have said, now he isn't here and he doesn't know what's going on. And this is my take. And I don't mm -hmm. know what he'd tell you, but this is my take. And I actually am the authority in this house and you will have to listen to this. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, they have respected that. They really have. Because they, I think over the years, they've understood the position I've been put in that I did not want this position. This is not me, you know, going out on a, gee, I'm in charge now. Yay, whoopie-doo, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a burden 
it is hard to try to do both those roles, even though I can't really do them, but, but I'm, I'm still required to, to be that authority. So say, for instance, when they have, there's, my house is the party house. I mean, all the kids come here, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, let's go hang up there and she'll let us spend the night and, you know, do whatever. <laughs> so there can be nights, there have been nights at midnight where I have five teenagers on my bed, three of which are not mine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they call me mom, right? Because there has been no father, there has been a freedom of having more people like just, you know, I'm not worried. Okay. He's got to get up and work in the morning. Everybody get out and be quiet, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, there's been more of the boys reaching out to other friends because they're missing the dad, you know, being around. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen friendships more, even with unbelieving young men, um, who come in and, you know, they all know that I have the role that we are all in church on Sunday. If you're a stranger in my house, you have to come to church with us. There have mm-hmm. been times they've pushed, I've not done that. And I'm like, yeah, that's one I draw, just where I draw the line, you know? Yeah. And so um, I, it's, it's been cool to see that because then now we have some unsaved friends who are coming to church with them, you know, mm-hmm. sitting in the pew and they respect me because I have allowed them to be who they are in my home. I've allowed them on my bed at night, you know, like who has five teenage boys sitting on your bed while I'm like, oh gosh, you got to stay awake for this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) They're talking about heartfelt issues. They're Mm -hmm. talking about a friend that, you know, cheated on them, or they're talking Mm -hmm. about, I don't know what to do here. Or I, you know, my, my mother doesn't understand me or my father is doing that, you know, and just normal things, all kids, everybody deals with. Um, and I'm not even giving them advice. It's not like I'm sitting there giving them the sage advice. They're just talking these things out and I'm part of the conversation. And so I have very much found that to be helpful in gaining my son's respect mm-hmm. um, because respect is earned as much as we like to think it can be demanded. It really, that's, that's kind of a fake, fake way of doing it, you know, and when your kids are little, you can do more of that. You know, you will respect me, but to always say that means you're demanding it when really it needs to be earned and given. And so I'm hoping that that continues throughout their life, that I can earn their respect. Um, I haven't always done that well. I haven't always done that well with my older son. Um, we definitely have some issues with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying about how to get best get that back. Um, I don't really know why. I just know there's a breakdown there. So um, I guess it's just always a struggle. And I'm just always reminded, go to the Lord, go to the Lord, because I can't fix it. I need wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just sort of flopping around here, going day to day, trying to figure out how to do all of this. <laughs> but yeah. in reality, that's how I feel a lot of the time, to mm-hmm. be honest. You know, I think that's reality. We're not, none of us are on the pedestal perfectly doing it all ourselves. Right. You can't. No, exactly. So, you no. Know. No, exactly. Now, I don't, uh, I'm just going to touch on briefly that, um, you had uh, gotten married again, and unfortunately, mm, yes. it, it ended in divorce. But what I want to touch on is that um, from the second marriage, you have now brought in your stepdaughter mm-hmm. into the fold. Yes. Can you uh, touch on that? And and the fact that um, yeah. she would want to. So I think it says a lot about mm-hmm. maybe how you are, how your home is, and then I guess seeing her step-siblings at the time. How many were, were there mm-hmm. then? Because some have already left home at when you 
remarried or was it still all nine kids then? Oh, okay. Yeah. No. So my um, oldest daughter had gotten married. She got married. Let's see. Maybe it was about uh, two years, uh, two and a half years, maybe a year and a half. I'd have to go back to after my husband died that, that she got married. And yeah, she has three cute little grandbabies too. And so I just love that. But um, anyway, um, and then my son, my oldest son, Ruben, he, he stayed here when I remarried and moved to Idaho. Um, so he had a job, you know, full-time job. He had graduated as well and also had a, a very long-term girlfriend that he was determined to marry and we are married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they, he stayed here and um, lived with my mother-in-law actually. And so um yes I was about two and a half years after I met John or married met John married after John passed away boy rain forgive Mm -hmm. me um and so it was to another widower and we had 21 children actually between us I'm sorry can you repeat that I'm sorry 21 we had 21 children between the two of us he had adopted he and his wife had adopted well I don't know if they legally legally adopted 10 I believe yeah and so um, there was 16 of us in the house that were living together in one house. So it was very busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. But uh, we bought a very large home in Coeur d'Alene. And yeah, he, he did. He turned out to be very messed up and abusive and adulterous. So that ended. But yes, his. Um, so we were married then for two and a half years before I decided to leave. I had left once prior because of abuse. Mm-hmm. And then uh, found he wasn't wasn't being real faithful, so um, and then the abuse continued. So yes, I left the September of 2020, moved back home with my parents here in Montana, and then got reestablished here, and divorced him fully and everything, and have no contact. And his daughter Catalina, she has um, very rare form of kidney failure. She's had since she was six. She's now 20. Mm-hmm. Um. She was in Seattle for a transplant. So she got very sick right after I left. We were actually flown out to Seattle. And um, she had been on the transplant list already and the kidney became available. So in this time, we're not really talking to her because she's they were all angry at me for leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had very much become a one family. <laughs> and so it was very difficult. Oh, so they so loved she you. was very close. They, they loved yes. you. Oh, okay. I'm oh, we, we called... My kids called him dad. My, his mm. kids called me mom. Some of that was forced on his part. It was it was pre- done prematurely. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to force everybody to do that. But definitely, we had all melded together as a family. Yeah. But they were very upset that I left because I was leaving them, right? And their dad right. had promoted that I was leaving. And so I was the bad guy. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, she um she ended up in Seattle by herself at 17 for a year and a half. Um, her dad, because of his abuse, she finally kicked him out of the hospital and said, I don't want him here anymore. And so she had almost no one when she got her kidney transplant. And it was after that, she started talking to my, my twin girls again. She was very close to Susie and Sarah, and I would allow them to talk on the phone, you know, and it was shortly after that, Catalina started reaching back out to me and, and we had some really good heartfelt conversations. And she said, I just realized, you know why you left my dad, you had every right, you needed to. So she said, can I come live with you? I won't go back to dad anymore. And they're going to kick me out here soon. I've got my kidney, you know, um, I need somewhere to live. (laughs) And I had been praying 
you know, for the Lord to bring her out of that because with her condition and the situ conditions of living in that home were not good. And at that point, her dad had had, well, now he's, he's on wife number five. So he'd had like two or three more women living in the house with him. And he continued to be abusive to Catalina as well. And so she was now old enough, you know. So yeah, she had really just been done with him and really just needed somewhere to go and didn't really have anywhere else to go. So I, as I said, I've been, you know, praying for her and praying for healing. And she, um, so we, we took off to Seattle and picked her up and brought her here. And she has been here. It'll be a year this month, I think, maybe next month. Yeah. And so she's doing well. She's doing a lot better not having to do dialysis. Mm -hmm. And um, she has struggles. I mean, she has struggles with her health, clearly. Um, struggling to understand what she lived through. Her mother, who died, had been very physically abused by her father. And she had witnessed a lot of that. So she deals with a lot. Um her family has kind of rejected her because she's living with the enemy, as they call it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, there's just a lot. But my prayer has been that that family would somehow be rescued through all that we've been through. Um, and the, so, so I already see, I already see God's hand, even in the divorce, right? Mm -hmm. Very quickly after it, where he was go using out of the bad, you know, mm -hmm. to bring about good. And so I hope for Catalina that she can move on from here as an adult and uh, be free of that. And she's very thankful to be out of that. Um, like I said, she struggles. She'll come and tell me, mom, I don't, I don't always know like what's normal. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's normal. You know, I need you to tell me like, okay, this is what we're doing. And if I react negatively, let me know, no, this is normal. You know, <laughs> This is how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> or this is what should be done. And so it's been very encouraging. Um, to see her, she's totally cut off from her father as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing, unfortunately, but it's a good thing. And so she's learning and growing and trying to figure this out on her own as well. So, yeah. Okay. But yeah. I don't, kids don't, kids leave and then more seem to come. So <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like this is a, 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 in a way, a beautiful ministry that you have that where you say your, your kids, friends come over there on the bed, like your home is a, a wonderful haven where they, they feel they can be themselves. And yet at the same time, they respect that it's your home and that you serve the Lord. And, and that's, that's, that's a wonderful yeah. gift. They, they usually respect it. There are times when I've been like, you know what, if a girl comes through that door wearing a crop top one more time, they're leaving, you, okay. know? <laughs> you know, my rules, they Maybe I should post that on the door, you know, like, <laughs> like some of these kids just don't know, you know, mm -hmm. to them, that's fine. And I'm like, nope, we have, you know, we have this, you know, I, I'm not a like, here's rules one through 10 of what you will and will not do. I'm more mm -hmm. like, you know, how are, you know, blend, meld with, meld with us here, you know, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's been funny. It's been challenging because sometimes I'm like, everybody get out, just get out. <laughs> I need peace. And quiet, leave. You know, I won't say that. But yes. You know, <laughs> and so I will tell my boys, it's too much. Six kids here in one night, spending the night, get them out. Um, the, the basement's probably trashed. They're bringing up, you know, five bags of trash or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what are you guys doing down there? <laughs> right. <laughs> Watching movies or playing a video game or whatever. I'll, I will kick them out. I will do that. I'll be like, nope. For the next few weeks, I just want it quiet. I need, you know, need space. And so they're, they're becoming more sensitive to that. But sometimes it's a lot. 
but I'd rather have it that way than be the stodgy mom who won't like let anything go on. Right. So. Well, it seems like you've mastered the art of hospitality. (laughs) I hope so. I don't know. (laughs) Which God calls us to be. And I've been working on it. (laughs) I was great. Right. Oh gosh. I was raised that way for sure. Like people just dropping by. It was fine. Having people over for dinner, getting together. And I definitely want my kids to be way, you know, John, John always used to say um, with trusting people, he was very discerning. Like he could tell if somebody was a faker, like he mm-hmm. would tell in 30 seconds. And I kid you not, he's making that. He was right every time. I'd be <laughs> like, you're being judgmental, honey. We need to have them over. Nope, 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 don't like them. Not happening. They're Christians. No, they're not. <laughs> you know, right. Always be right. Annoyingly so. And now I don't have that. I do not have that discernment. So it takes me a little bit to figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I tried to be, but he also would say, I would rather trust somebody and then find out that they, you know, took me to the cleaners or whatever, than be so suspicious of everyone, which is odd for him to say that when he has this other thing going on, but it was kind of a balancing thing. And so he very much would want to help people, want to be involved. And then if they did something wrong, oh, well, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I've, I've tried to keep a balance of those things. He, He helped me kind of, you know, in those ways, I Yes. And so I've, I've tried very much to, yeah, have my home a place where you can come. There may be clothes all over the couch. So mm-hmm. either fold them or move them over. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> so yeah. um, as we wrap this, this up, and I, I've been loving this discussion, Emily, thank you so much. Yeah, you've oh, really no, opened you. my eyes and I got a glimpse of what it's like to have loved and lost someone so dear mm. and just knowing that the Lord has been with you through all this. I I appreciate you sharing every detail of that. And like you said, Mm -hmm. the grief never goes away. I remember when my dad passed away and I was in my twenties and there are days um, I would like, I love, I love the piano. I play the piano. My dad used to sit on the couch and listen to me Mm -hmm. play after work. And sometimes when I'd play by myself, I think of that and burst into tears. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I know, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my late forties now and I can still cry as if it happened yesterday or I go to home Depot and I'm just like, I want my daddy. I to say, if my daddy were alive, he would have built me a house in the garden. <laughs> I wouldn't have to lift a finger, you know? And so it's true. Yes. The grief never goes away. It's, it comes and goes. And it, part of me is that I don't think I'd want it to go away. I, I I don't know how to explain yeah. that. Like just, it I just I don't know because it I'm and I can't speak for you, but maybe you would say it. you loved your husband and it was the years the Lord gave you. Right. Yeah, you, I you don't know, know I, how to explain it. No, I, I oh, and I'm sorry you lost your dad. I didn't. I didn't. You probably told me that. And I probably forgot. But I, I'm, that's you know my kids. I can't. That's what's so funny. Like I can relate to losing a spouse, but I, I still have my dad, mm-hmm. and so I can't even relate to that. Yeah, I mean relate in one way, but not, mm-hmm. not fully. Right. Cause my dad still rescues me. He's over there working on the washer, working on this, checking out this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you said, right. we all have people that meet needs in our lives and when they're gone, it's like, how am I supposed to do this? You know? So I think that's right. But yeah, I mean, like you said, it's been how many years and you can still just burst into tears. Just suddenly it hits you that that is a hole missing in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then nobody can tell it. Just, I mean, even 
even if, you know, your mother had got married, I don't know if she did or not, or, you know, me getting yeah. married, it still mm-hmm. does not fill that hole. Mm-hmm. It just, it can't. And it shouldn't, like you said, it, it shouldn't. And I think our emotions are all wrapped up in our memories too. So you can, I, I told my son once, I said, you know, if you build that wall, if you build a wall for, to protect yourself from pain, it will not only be a wall there, but it will be a wall in all the other areas too. You can't compartmentalize this. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. And mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't know. I, I think you're right. It's good. Grief yeah, is I think good. It's, it is it, good it can have. get, yeah, exactly. And I suppose it's like, um, I, I was reading somewhere about, uh, or maybe I was listening to another podcast about suffering well, and just in different oh. areas where when there's things like heartache or, or, or the passing of someone or someone you love, mm. whether a spouse or a child or a sibling, it's, um, the Lord, the Lord will help us and teach us how to suffer well, because again, mm. and it's a reminder that this life is temporary, that we're, we're strangers yes. here. We're sojourners. Right. And, um, yeah. And it's just my sister and I, my younger sister and I, we were talking about, um, our mother and how, you know, she, my mother was just, just matter of fact, saying like, she'd like to go back to her home country. She's, she's uh, from Jamaica one last time. Like she figures this will oh. be it. And my sister burst out and we were crying because we're like, death is inevitable. And oh, even if it's her yes. mother who's, who has lived so far a full life, she's in her mid to late eighties. We, we realize that it'll still hurt when she, yes, yeah. When she, when she, when it's, when it's her time. And so um, so true no matter what age you are no matter what age oh, what age yeah it's a loss like you were kind of saying you know we can grief is good if it's kept in held in the right light in the light yes. of god being sovereign and god taking care of us not you know and we're not saying like grieve you know continue in this this state of constant grief i know the lord has brought one thing i didn't mention he brought very very quickly after john's death he he presented things that i had to deal with really quickly you know, that, that you usually would be told, don't make that decision in the first year. They have these, uh, these set times. Mm-hmm. And I had to make many serious decisions right away. I had to change a lot of things right away. And I think we just have to be relaxed, if I can say it, in our grief enough that we're not we're not bound by, okay, I'm scared of that, so I can't do it. That's, that's, uh, that's inhibiting. Not good. That's not growing in our faith. There are things like I... When I go to a hospital, I mean, I have PTSD. I'll just be honest, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure I do. It's never been diagnosed. I'm sure I have it. I go to a hospital. I will get chest pains. I've had to go to a hospital many times. My father-in-law dying right after my husband. Six weeks after he died, I had to walk right past the room he died in because mm-hmm. my father-in-law had to be in that ICU unit. And the nurses are kicking me out. Go, Emily. You shouldn't be here. Why are you here? I mean, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, my goodness. No, I have to be here for my father-in-law. And so... I found greater healing faster that way because I was forced to do those things. Sometimes we put things off. I'm not going to go to the gravesite or I'm not. And, and everybody, time frames are different for everybody, yeah. man. You know, do what you need to do. But when we're, when we are putting off things that we are supposed to be doing because of grief, that's the wrong kind of grief to have. Mm-hmm. And I know I've seen people not grieve well. And my determination after John was to grieve well. And I keep reminding myself, of that no let it be go through that walk through that door let it be because now mm-hmm. it's like it memories are like a nice box like those memory boxes yep and it's in my closet on the shelf and it's shut 
the lid is done, not because I'm not done with it, because that part of life is completed. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, it's over. It'll never be that I can go there. It's Mm -hmm. not good. But if I, if I see it that way, I can go in there and visit and have a great time. But when it's time to leave, the lid goes back down Mm because I'm living this life now. Yes. And that's been huge, huge for me to be able to, like they say, heal and Mm -hmm. still move forward. That's the only way that I've found to do it. So no, that's a, that's, yeah, yeah, that's an excellent, (laughs) no, that you you put that very well, because when I think about uh, some people that, or some stories that I've heard where they have not grieved well, um, a lot of the times is that a, they're, they may not be Christian, uh, B, Mm, they've made their spouse an idol and their idol is gone and C, that was the other reason I think not a Christian. <laughs> so I'm trying to think like, I'm just thinking of stories <laughs> yeah. that I know of. Yeah. For the most part, yes. Or it's become, yeah, their spouse became their idol. And I know these stories because my mother would tell me, cause she knows a lot of uh, widows and widowers and she sees yeah. how they process grief. Like she had one mm-hmm. lovely Maltese friend. And when her husband died to this day, and I know it's big in Mediterranean culture, like Italian, Portuguese, Maltese. Once your husband dies, you wear black mm. till you die. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they, wow. Yeah. They tend to, but it's usually a Catholic thing, I believe. And sure. so, but she saw how, and my mother was also a widow at the same time. And my mother had said, she is so shackled to the death of her husband. And he mm. did die young. They already had grandchildren and everything that she realized he was her idol and she can't find a way to live anymore. So she's just constantly crying. Has my wonderful pretty. I'm, I'm laughing at the irony. Like she's a very wonderful lady, but then she, she's like moaning and whimpering. And my mother's like, Oh no. Oh. because she wants my mother over but at the same time her grief just covers the whole atmosphere because her husband did everything and and he was her her idol and and so yeah there's something to be said about grieving well and and I guess Mm -hmm. if you're rooted in Christ he will he will help you to do that I think that's key Mm -hmm. what you said there absolutely key and that we trust that we trust in him fully, you know, I mean, that's what he wants from us. That's what's safe and best for us because life is hard. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody, everybody, I'm not a special case. Everybody has, everybody has grief and things they deal with. And so we have to learn how we have to do it well, or we just, man, can we shackle can create you. a path. Can shackle you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Slavery. It feels, it, it would feel like slavery if I stayed in that mode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I do go to that mode. Don't get me wrong. I have absolutely gone to that mode and been like, okay, this is wrong. I've got to stop this, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, for sure. I would like to, um, as we wrap up, what are your hopes going forward or what you would like, you know, what you've presented to the Lord? Would you love to get married again? I mean, you were talking about earlier, you and your mom going to like singles gatherings, (laughs) which must be uh, kind of fun and kind of cute. A nice uh, icebreaker home. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah that kind of thing. Hey, this interesting. You no, know, it's pretty. <laughs> it is pretty funny. <laughs> so I actually start, helped start a singles group locally here for Christians, mm-hmm. and so it's for the purpose of encouragement and everything. And you know, but if you meet somebody, great, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have been fairly not interested yet. I guess for my divorce, you know, that was just such a weird deal that. Um, I've had to just really, what do I want? You know, and life has been so busy, but I'm just have to be so focused on that. It's hard to think about, and mm-hmm. you know, 
And then I'm like, oh, married for a third time. That just gives me all kinds of weird reputational things. <laughs> I could just see the grandchildren. Grandma was married, you know, 82 times. In her <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I, I, uh, I'm very cautious, I guess, you know, but um, I would definitely be open to that. I don't see myself necessarily staying single forever, but I have a lot of cautions because of my ex-husband mm-hmm. in protection of my children. You know, having so many children, there's just so many issues, right? To bring that in is really difficult. Mm-hmm. So it would have to be the Lord, you know, yeah. bringing the right person, right? I, I am out there actively. I've been on some dating sites of, you know, getting to know people. Um, the singles group is great because we just we get together for dinner. We do potluck. We often have very interesting discussions that aren't always like, okay, we all disagree on that one. Moving on. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's been such an encouragement, right, to be with people of a like mind um, as far as going through some kind of grief, you know, mm-hmm. loss or, or having been uh, never married. You know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things we all deal with. And so, um, yeah, that's been a huge encouragement. And I finagled my mother-in-law to go, you're going to come with me. Come on. We got to go. You know, you're gonna she, she enjoys it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been awesome. We, we can share a lot being widowed together. Yeah. You know, um, she lost a son and a husband. Right. Right. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, she, she does well. She's, she's a toughie. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. What advice would you give to single mothers uh, due to widowhood? what to especially um the ones who are going through it now mm. what can you what what can you um impart to them in terms of encouragement wisdom their heart mm. just not trying to do it all on your own you know mm. um some people don't know really how to offer help and that can be really really difficult um one thing would be just having a church that fully supports you in every way Mm-hmm. And not that you have to always ask for it. So if you're having to say, you know, I can't make that mortgage payment or I don't have enough money for gas. And they're like, well, we'll bring it before the board and maybe, you know, uh-uh, no, you, you need support that is straightforward and upfront. You need people mm-hmm. who will call your pastor and say, hey, she needs help this month. I have people that have done that for me. My own son-in-law has done that for me. Yeah. Um, and say, you know, pastor, do you know? Because she's not going to tell you. <laughs> Yeah. So um, having people like that, the biggest thing overall is really just making sure that you're, that you're seeking the Lord because we all try to do it on our own. I am so, 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 so guilty of that. You know, I'm, I can do this. I can, no, no. And so just bring everything, everything, the simplest, smallest thing to the throne of grace. Lord, I cannot do this. Be real. God already knows what's in your heart. If you're angry, why did you do this, Lord? I have so had those conversations, the conversations of Job, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, with God, he already knows. But, you know, we all need to quit trying to be some perfect Christian. We're not going to be. Be real, you know? And so I think being genuine with others is is huge. You know, we can also err on the side of being negative all the time or playing the widow card all the time. No, just go, my kids need this, or I need this, or can you come fix this, or... You know, when they ask you your needs, be be honest. And so, um, you know, the, we're there to help each other. And so it can be very humbling to receive. Very, very, very hard. But you have to remember that you're blessing others in doing that. Right. And so um, as long as people are not, the other thing that is a huge caution to me 
is there are people that try to will try and have done it to me, done it to other widows, try to come into your life and they're going to help you with how they want to help you. Mm. And it may not be helpful. So boundaries, I never had to have them before in life. And I have learned the hard way how to develop healthy boundaries of no, I'm in charge here. This doesn't fly. No, you're not going to do that with my children. No, you're not going to do this. No, I've had to do those. I've had to do it with family members. I've had to do it with friends. Um, so though that's huge to me, learning how to have boundaries is a healthy, like I said, healthy ones. Um, so to protect yourself, to keep peace in your home. Um, that's been a, one of the biggest struggles for me, because again, I relied on my husband was really good at that. And I was not, I always mm -hmm. say yes. And he'd have to be my no. I would tell him, you have to tell me no. Like, please tell me no, I can't do any more this week. Okay. And it would inevitably somebody <laughs> and he'd be like, no, you told me. But, but no, you said. <laughs> so <clears throat> those are, those are the things that would that come to mind. You know, that is excellent advice because you've actually um, shared two things in terms of if you're the widow that, um, I guess don't let pride get in the way for you to ask for help. Yeah, that, that can that can be hard. That's even hard as a single mother, you know, in, in general. Yes. Even yes. yes, is you're like, no, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, something as <laughs> I might not make rent or a mortgage. But then I also appreciate the advice that you shared in terms of people like us who want to show our love towards someone who's recently lost their spouse to other widows, mm -hmm. but we may not know how to go about it because we're eager to like, let me help fix her or fix this, you know, the situation is awful. Let's. And so I, I appreciate also mm -hmm. that not warning to us, but that uh, recommend recommendation to us, that advice to us to say, you know, allow her to, I guess the way for you to handle your home process things in the, and I guess in the time that is necessary in the way that is necessary. Um, yes. Do you like it for any of us? Right. In, yeah. For any of us, widow, divorce, I mean, it's all, we're all, you know, it's a single mother. It's just comes with the territory, I guess. <laughs> and I guess sometimes I think when versus someone who is single mother due to divorce versus widowhood is that I guess with, there might be more of an awkwardness in terms of, mm -hmm. we want to ask you, how are you? But we don't, but we're thinking, oh no, we're going to make you cry. Or what are, I guess, what right. are some of the things we could do? that uh, would, or that has been done that you've appreciated from, I guess, the body of Christ. Is there any, right. or what are the questions oh, you'd rather yeah. hear first? Um, like, instead of, do you know what I mean? Maybe there's some questions you yeah. actually appreciate hearing. Right. No, no. I, um, a sincere and genuine, how are you doing is always appreciated. Um, and then when you share, maybe something is really heavy on your heart and you share it and the listener, it really helps if they're not a shocked <laughs> or be back away. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. that's too much for me. That has happened. I, I've had people that have come at me from a distance, like physically they're walking up to me and they're shaking their head. They haven't said anything yet. They just would shake their head. And then they would say, um, how would it go? Um, I could never be you. Ooh. I've had that said to me. I could never be you. 
as if, you know, and, and they're trying, they think that they're being sympathetic. Like right. you're so wonderful and awesome. I can, and I said, okay, I was not blessed with anything extra. <clears throat> I have did not choose to be a widow. Are you kidding me? Do you think people have nine kids and then decide I'm going to do this all on my own? This right, sounds like a right. really great power trip. I mean, seriously? No. And so I've, I have stopped people and said, God has done this. This mm. is not my choosing. And God is equipping me. I don't have, get anything extra. Okay. Like, uh, uh. but his grace is sufficient for what I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. Your grace isn't mine. Mine isn't yours. Blah, 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 blah. And so I've corrected a couple people because it really started to tick me off after what happened multiple times. But again, it's just understanding that people are coming from that place of not, not having walked in your shoes. I don't want them to have to have walked in my shoes and I don't necessarily want to walk in what they did. Right. So, mm-hmm. so having a genuine and healthy conversation where, yeah, you're like, Hey, how are you? What, what can we do? And not just a, Hey, I'm here. Call me sometime, mm-hmm. you know, more specific, you know, could I, do you need your yard mode? Um, mm-hmm. Do you need a meal? Would it help if I brought you a meal? Those are questions that are helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Would you be willing for someone to take your children for ice cream? Uh, do you want to go out on a date? Could we watch your kids? Mm. <laughs> I mean, those are those are big. Do you want just go out on a date with another girlfriend, or you know, by yourself? Or do you mm-hmm. need do you need a massage? I, I bought you a massage. Here's a cure. Things like that are just huge to a mom who's just trying to make it. It doesn't oh, have that's to be great. something huge, you know. So, in other yeah. words ask how we can serve you or just say, just show up and say, this is how we'd like to serve you and allow you to pick the day and time and stuff to, to do that. I think those things are good. Sometimes people will, like I said, kind of push their idea of we're going to come and do this for you. And you may have had 10 people already do that same thing. Mm -hmm. And so, so allowing them a space to be like, well, have you had this given to you? Or, you know, can I help you in this way? And mm-hmm. then the person being humble in the giving, not like, hey, we're the hero to rescue you here. Right. That doesn't fly well. <laughs> so, you know, recognizing that the Lord is from the Lord, mm-hmm. I think is important. Amen. Amen. To finish up, do you have um, a favorite uh, Bible verse or that has encouraged mm, you that you'd love yes. to share? Yes. My favorite verse has been be still and know that I am God. And, you know, when John was passing away, someone came in and sang that Mm. to him as a family group of singers that we knew. Awesome family. And um, the nurse wrote it on the whiteboard in his room. And it was my favorite verse before then. Mm. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) who knew God did. Right. Right. So I, that comes to me all the time throughout life. Be still and know that I am God. You're not it. You don't yes. have to do it all. You know, it's on me. So um, I think recognizing all things come from God. Good, bad, and the ugly. I mean, people will argue with me there. I know that's, that's a theological discussion in and of itself. But what we view as good or bad or ugly, God is in control of. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm not saying he is the instigator of evil not saying that at all but all those things that we find difficult are coming from him working them out Mm -hmm. that's what I mean to say (laughs) and so um recognizing that so that we take all of our stuff to him you know and he knows already Mm -hmm. I I think for me that's been a big a big lesson (laughs) what I've had to learn amen amen thank you so much Emily this this was great Oh. oh and this listen have my room ready you don't 
2024. I have to go to Montana. I'm, I'd warn my kids. I might not come home. I might not come home. And you have that singles group. I'm just like, hold yes. up. We'll keep you. We'll keep you, Natalie. We'll you know? keep you. I could send you. I could send for the children later. Yes. <laughs> send for the children later. Right? For real. No, no. Oh, no, no. I love to have you anytime. And this has been an honor, Natalie. Can I just compliment you oh. for doing this? Is just I think is wonderful. It's you're fulfilling a need. There is a need, such a need for single moms to be encouraged in our day, especially. And I just, I appreciate you. And I'm honored that you asked me, like, I, I feel like a mess. Although like, wow, I can't even get my act together. You know, here it's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was an honor to be able to share. And, uh, you know, my goal, if we can't share from what we learn through difficulties, then we really haven't, we haven't done what we need to do. So I think sharing is a huge, huge part of things. Amen. And I appreciate your story. And I'm really enjoying the fellowship of other um, Christian single mothers and just mm -hmm. how the Lord yeah. has been so good to us in such difficult times. Amen. Yes. Oh, amen. You have to come what back. What would we again. do without him? Uh, exactly. Know, I, exactly. Well, <laughs> Maybe the next episode, I will be in Montana. <laughs> yes. It'll be on site. On, and we'll yes. get to see the Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, at a shooting range and like a yeah, good barbecue yeah. and and I gotta I gotta like oh, yeah. touch a bison. I love bison. <laughs> oh yes. If there's a bison take farm, you to the I bison love... range. Oh yes. Yeah, it's called the bison range. Yep, yep. Oh. It's pretty cool. Sometimes you don't always see them out, but if you go there a certain time of the year, you know, it's pretty cool. They're beautiful beasts. <laughs> they're they're beautiful beasts. They are. <laughs> They make good burgers too. Yeah. Actually, no, they're pretty tasty. They're pretty tasty. Yes. Have you okay? They have are. you ever had prairie oysters? Or they call them Rocky okay. Mountain oysters? No. Yeah. Oh, you can't I be have a not. true Montana native. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. I know. Give me back should the I, card. I, okay. Big, big thing I have to admit to. I was born. I don't even know if I should say this in Southern California. I really was. <laughs> I know. That little catch. I was 10 months old when we got here though, 10 months old. So, you know, I'm practically a native, but like when I'm in California, I say I was born there to get along with them. And when I'm here, I don't ever mention that. I was raised here. I was raised here. <laughs> Your formative years and everything is Montana. Okay. So you're, you're Montana, Montana. And I was a Marine 100%. Corps baby. I'm like, you got a problem with okay. You got a yeah. problem with the Marine Corps? <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, we'll let that okay. go. No, you, yeah, you can keep that Montana card. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much and God bless. Thank you, Natalie. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Poets and Pirates and that it encouraged you and was a blessing. If you like this kind of content and more, please subscribe to this podcast. Furthermore, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at hello at raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Also, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter to get notifications on the next episode, as well as exclusive information. Just go to raisingpoetsandpirates.com. Thank you, and God bless.